Welcome to another edition of Mind of a Madman. Um, this week, uh, we're going to look at the uh, UFO report that was that was just released by the Pentagon, where supposedly uh, they're going to uh, tell us everything that they know about uh, UFOs, or as they call them, um, uh, UAPs, which stands for Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. That's what you know, they're using instead of UFO now. I try to confuse the public, but it's not working. Uh, but before we we uh, do that, as always, we're we're gonna look at a couple paranormal news things from around the world. Um, there were a lot this week. There were really there was I probably could have put twenty or thirty news stories on here, but I try keeping it down to four or five. Um, and being that we're talking about UFOs this week, I figured I would kind of structure the news around UFOs, aliens, that type of thing. So our first story is entitled "NASA Discovers a Six Hundred Foot Wide." UFO on Mars. It can still be functional, according to experts. Um, so it's uh, the news article just goes to say, um, on the surface of Mars, a giant, ancient, 600-foot-wide UFO was recently discovered. After thorough examination, the experts determined that it will be used to zip around in if we can only get our hands on it. Currently, we have teams from Russia, the United States, and China operating in space. So, if they or can organize, if they can recognize this as a significant discovery and recover it, we will be able to develop our own existing technologies hundreds of years into the future, to say the least. And if we can get it to work, we'll be able to use it to confirm the presence of alien life somewhere. So, it's always worth the ride. The discovery was made on November 21st. Uh, it was discovered. It was it was discovered on images on image archives from the Mars Global Surveyor. Um, so it's definitely definitely an interesting photo. I mean, if you look, it's like a heart shaped object with like a dome in the middle. I mean, could it be a UFO? Most definitely. I mean, it could be some kind of geological, uh, you know. Some kind of geological formation, you know, who am I to say, but uh, it's definitely something that, you know, I think maybe future missions to Mars, they could, you know, look at that maybe and, and see, but uh, so that's 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 the first uh, article. Our second article is titled, Former Worker of Area 51 Affirms That He Piloted a UFO and Traveled in Time. Uh... So, a man claiming to be a former Area 51 worker is claiming that he once piloted an extraterrestrial spacecraft engineered in reverse and that he may have traveled in time during the trip. He introduces himself as Robert Miller uh, and then warns that, and he warns that he's about to warn, he's about to reveal some things that will put him in danger and will probably be pers- uh, probably be persecuted and silenced by the U.S. government. He says he was selected to pilot a secret government program at the Groom Lake facility in Area 51, and when he arrived on his first day in the middle of the night, he was greeted by men in black suits. He was soon informed that he would be a test pilot on a new reverse-engineered spacecraft of an alien ship that crashed in 1947. He briefly describes it, then delves into his allegations and, ex- of, and experiences. He says he, he remembers being taken inside the ship into the pilot's seat. There was only room for one person in the giant ship. 
He looked around the cabin and saw only one seat, no joystick, no steering wheel, no other controls. However, there was a helmet. They told him that the ship was controlled telepathically. They told him to imagine the ship began to to imagine that the ship began to float on the ground, but it did not work. Instead, he had to imagine that uh, that you know he was a ship that you know he was part of it. Uh, he began began to think of himself floating off the ground, and that's when he felt vibrations. Uh, he said it was 150 meters from the ground when the engine vibration stopped. There was no eject button. He was helpless. He was falling to the ground and was unconscious. The next thing he knew, he was in the hospital. A man in a black suit came and explained what happened. He said that just before the ship fell to the ground and went boom and disappeared. Then in the middle of the night, they heard a loud roar outside. The ship had crashed in the same place. Scientists had hypothesized that the ship had traveled in time. As many comments have been made, uh, making this very questionable. Um, you know, he, you know, he, you know, he's saying that he's telling 100% the truth. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. I mean... I mean, I definitely think that you know there were things at Area 51 at one time. You know, they've all been moved to other you know t- you know other facilities. Uh, and I, you know, I do think that we are reverse engineering technology technology that we have found, whether it be alien or, or time travelers. But I don't know. I mean, uh, it's hard to find people that that just come out and openly confess what happened. I mean, you know, even, even under even under deathbed, people that are really involved in this stuff are afraid. So. I mean, maybe maybe he's telling the truth, you know? I mean, who am I to say, but... So with that, let's go to our third story. And this story is entitled, Artificial Intelligence Reveals Locations That Aliens Might Be Hiding in Space. Scientists uh, have used computer simulations to determine that the, that the center of our galaxy represents our best hope of finding extraterrestrial life. Uh, article goes on to say that assuming other spacefaring civilizations exist at all, of course, a question that remains a hot topic among the world's top experts. The researchers at Penn State and Columbia University say their findings could help to steer future missions to find little green men. The centers of galaxies are promising search directions for such missions, they wrote in a research paper published last month. Computer models were built by the team to determine how alien life might spread across the universe. They assumed that an extraterrestrial civilization would use ships that traveled at speeds comparable to our own spacecraft, about 18 miles a second. After a ship arrives at a virtual habitable zone in the simulation, it's considered that the colony would have would have formed that it would. Oh my gosh, it's. Considered to have formed a colony after 100,000 years. A colony then is able to launch its own spacecraft which can travel to an uninhabited world if one is within range. The results showed um, a wave or a front of colonization before the nomadic aliens reached the galaxy's core. After this, the rate of colonization skyrockets. Even with conservative limits on the speed of ships a galaxy could be colonized within a billion years that may sound like a long time but when you consider that the the milky way galaxy is 13 billion years old it's a small slice 
of a lifetime of a galaxy. Uh, the results published in the American Astronomy Society hint that the core of our galaxy might be the best place to look for aliens. That's because according to the simulation, it's the most likely point at which civilization proliferates at, the, at a rapid pace. Not only is our galaxy center more likely than anywhere else to house little green men, it's also relatively easy to comb for clues. Telescopes on Earth have a direct line of sight to those dense regions of space, making scanning it for technology a walk in the park. The center is also filled with the galaxy's oldest planets, providing more time for extraterrestrial life to have emerged. So, if the spot is so ripe for growth with growth of civilizations, why haven't we run into ET yet? Lots of reasons, according to research. It's possible alien colonies die out before reaching us, or that civilizations take care to not interfere with inhabited planets such as ours. Whatever you believe, the study shows that rapid colonization could take place within relatively simple, with relatively simple technologies and in a short period of time. So, I mean, we we look at our time our time frame. You know, we've only been, you know, you know, we just set foot on on you know on the moon back in the '60s. So you know, you're talking, you know, uh, you know, it hasn't even been a century, and we're already on on the cusp of going to the uh, back to the moon and then on on to Mars. So. Uh, you know, you can see how, you know, you know, how we have taken our technology that we have now and within a hundred years be able to be able to reach Mars. Uh, you know, I definitely agree that, I mean, with the technology that we have now, could it be done? I don't know, because, I mean, look at the Viking spacecraft. The Viking spacecraft have been traveling for a long time and they're not even out of our solar system yet, so... Uh, so I mean, with with that part of the article, you know, I disagree that with the, with our current technology, but I do agree that, you know, the center of galaxies would be the best place to look because, like like they said, uh, it'd be easiest for us first to look there. Um, there's a direct line of you know because you know, because there's a direct line of sight with our, with, our, with, our, with our telescopes, it's, it's it's far enough away for us to see, but it's close so we can get a good, you know, a good image. Um. You know, planets and and stars are more closely consolidated there. You know, and like it also said that you know the oldest planets, most of the oldest planets in the galaxy are there. So, uh, so I mean, you know, definitely, you know, I have to agree with that part of it. So, that being said, let's move on to our last article, which is entitled "NASA Shock: Scientist Makes con- uh, Stunning Confession." as he claims life already found on Mars. A former NASA scientist says he is convinced that life was found on Mars in 1970 when the space agency sent a rover there. Dr. Gilbert Levine, who worked on the uh, Viking Mars landers in the 1970s, claims NASA has had already answered the ultimate question, that is, that, life, or that Mars supports alien life. According in a uh, writing in a blog for American Scientific, Dr. Levine said the rover he worked on found biological formations that revealed the presence of microbial organisms. 
He explained that a total of four positive results streamed down from the spacecraft that suggested there was life on Mars. He said on July 30, 1976, the LR returned its initial results from Mars. Amazingly, they were positive. As the experiment progressed, a total of four positive results reported by five uh, varied controls streamed down from the twin Viking spacecraft landed some 4,000 miles apart. The data curves signaled the detection of microbial respiration on the red planet. Mars landscape is said to have once inhabited life and oceans. The curves from Mars were similar to those uh, produced by LR test of soils on Earth. It seemed we had answered the ultimate question. The Viking probes had tested for soil the soil for biological chemicals given off by alien microbes. If the result came back positive, the lander would then go on to cook the soil before looking for the same chemical again. Gilbert Levine was involved in the rover mission during the 1970s. The method would kill the chemicals due to the heat, meaning if the, mic the microbes were present, the chemicals would have been detected in the first test but not the second. Dr. Levine said this is exactly what happened. Yet despite these readings bef uh, being supported by five varied controls, he says the results were dismissed by NASA as false readings. Dr. Levine said that this was attributed to the fact that the readings had failed to detect organic matter or essence of life. Since the Viking Mars landers touching down on Mars over 40 years ago, subsequent Mars landers haven't carried the instruments necessary to look for life. This, claims Dr. Levine, has hindered any follow-up of the exciting results that surfaced in the 1970s missions. Later missions look to establish whether Mars have ever been suitable for life as an opposite to whether life exists there now. Dr. Levine explains this move has set NASA back as though life on Mars once seemed to seem a long shot, it would take a near miracle for Mars to be sterile. Next year, NASA will launch... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. NASA has launched uh, rover missions to the Red Planet, and we are awaiting to... and we are awaiting the results. So... You know, you know, this guy's just basically—he's he's basically put a NASA on blast, saying, "Look, you know, we had, we had five, five separate verified tests that showed life on Mars, Mike. You know, microbial life, but still microbial life, and we dismissed them. Why did we dismiss it? So, uh, who knows? I mean, I don't think that would have scared the public microbial life, but you know, you never know. So, that's the news for the week." Now let's get on to this uh, Pentagon report that a lot of people have been waiting a long time for this. I mean, six months since uh, Trump signed the bill back in December of last year. So, let's start out with... Alright, so, uh, these Pentagon reports about UFOs. They were snuck into the first $2.3 trillion COVID relief package that was passed in December of 2020 as a stipulation requiring the Department of Defense and the Office of 
the director of national intelligence to deliver an unclassified report on UFOs within six months. So, after six months, only nine pages were released to the public. The report was based on 144 UAP, once again UAP they're using now instead of, instead of UFO, reports were made by military aviators between 2004 and 2021. So they're basing, they're basing this report <clears throat> on what supposedly ATIP was looking at, which was military aviator reports from 2004 to, you know, to, to current. So out of the 144 reports, only one was explained, and that was the deflated balloon. The other 143 were unidentified. So, what did this report conclude? The overall assessment says that due to a lack of high quality reporting on the events, our abilities have been hampered to draw firm conclusions. Basically, they're saying they don't know what the UAPs are. Here's my problem with that statement. They're going on to say that due to lack of quality reporting, these reports are coming from trained um, Air Force military pilots. People who have spent years training. You know, and, you know, they they, they have to file reports all the time about what they see, about what happen, happens. How is that, how could you call that not high quality reporting? I don't know how much, how, how much clearer or higher quality of reporting you would want. So that kind of that kind of strikes me as odd. Um, so the report states that no evidence from them uh, shows that it was a secret U.S. weapons program. Um, it says that the the that the reports of cluster of of clustered sightings near military bases were based on collection bias. Well, they're military pilots. Yeah, they're going to be all around military bases. Most objects were physical due to being detected multiple ways, including radar, infrared, electro-optical, weapon seekers, and visual observations. So they're saying that, that you know these weren't swamp gas. That you know these were physical, tangible. You can touch things that were that that were seen in all the in in all these reports. That's big, cause that cause the you know, that that takes away oh it, it was it was just swamp gas which is which is ridiculous, um and you know and it takes away oh it could have been a planet Venus or it could have been a star no because you know you're detecting these with radar infrared let's you know you're detecting these multiple ways on multiple instruments so they're they're physically in our airspace. Um, the report goes on to say that the objects the, the objects ex exhibited unusual flight characteristics beyond cur current capabilities. So, you know, they're saying that it's beyond our technological, you know, our level of what what we're able to do today. So it's highly advanced. Uh, they said that UAPs pose a risk to flight safety, which obviously they do because you know, you know, people have you know you have seen them within within 50 feet of, of airplanes. You know, they've you know buzzed, they have they have buzzed radar towers at airports, so they're they're definitely you know a flight risk. 
um, they may pose a challenge to national security. Well, obviously, because if they're capable of performing maneuvers that we can't even perform yet, it's it's definitely a national security issue. Um, as far as alien life, they said absolutely nothing, or they say nothing, absolutely nothing about alien alien life that it could, that it is or not. They don't say yes, they don't say no. They just kind of they're, they're just kind of quiet about that. And they they. But the thing is, they don't rule out the possibility of some of these being alien life. That's, that's I think, one of the biggest takeaways from this. Because, I mean, you know, I really didn't think we were going to get much out of this report. But that's something I did not think we were going to get. I did not think they were going to directly say, or directly not rule out alien life. That's huge. Uh, so they have basically listed five categories of what these UAPs could be, couldn't be. Um, first thing they're saying is airborne clutter. So what's airborne clutter? They're saying that includes things such as balloons, uh, drones, you know, uh, Chinese lanterns, you know, things of that nature that are, you know, they're they're in our airspace, but it's not, you know, like like an actual aircraft. It's not a, you know, a weather phenomenon. Um, the next thing that they're saying it could be reason number two is natural atmospheric phenomenon, things such as ice crystals, moisture, and thermal fluctuations that may interfere with uh, infrared and radar systems. So, like I said, it's not swamp gas, but they're still saying that 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 atmospheric conditions can play a role in this. You look at that at those Tic Tac videos. That's not airborne clutter because they're out, you know, they're out flying our best our best aircraft, and it definitely was not uh, you know anything area you know anything at, atmospheric. Um, they, they said it could be. This is where they're kind of counteracting themselves. Say it could be U.S. developed technology. Now, just a couple sentences ago, they were saying that, um, you know, this was not. It was not. Uh, trying to find the exact wording here of it. Um, they're basically saying that it was not. Um, you know, uh, UF or uh, secret U.S. weapons. Here they're saying it could be. Basically, what they're saying is that if it is a secret, that that, that if it is secret, a, a secret aircraft of the United States, that it is so far classified, it's that you know it's funded under the black budget. That the the Air Force themselves don't know about it because it's 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 black budget. It's beyond their eyes. They don't know, which which is possible. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, not every part of the military knows what you know the other hand's doing. You know, I mean, you know, the other things that that you know the the, you know, the Air Force is doing that they don't know about in, 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 in you know you know in the Marines, and then and, and then you got you know, the United you know, you know, the U.S. Space Force. What are they doing? I'm sure they have you know. Technologies that they're being developed specifically to use. 
Um, I want to talk about these guys soon too because if you ever try getting a clear answer as to what the U.S. Space Force does, I've asked four different people, three of which are in or have just recently joined the U.S. Space Force, and I've gotten three totally different answers. So it's like they don't, you know, they're keeping secrets from themselves. So, like I said, you know, there's there's black projects in the military that the, the other branches don't know about. So I think that's I think that that's what they're saying is that is that if if this is a U.S. Uh, if this is U.S. technology, it's so classified that it's a black budget kind of thing, and they have no, they don't, they don't, they're not aware of it. Um, they're saying that it could uh, reason or. Uh, the uh, number four reason listed, or basically, you know, category for for a UAP is the technology developed by other countries, such as Russia and China. Let's hope that's not true, because if they're being a hundred percent honest with us, and China and or Russia has that, and they're making our best fighter pilots and our best jets look look stupid. We're in for a lot of trouble. Uh, you know, in those Tic Tac videos, you know, I think one or maybe two pilots got got like you know, the weapons radar lock on on them for thirty seconds, not even twenty seconds, and they were gone. We can't even we can't even shoot at them because we can't we can't lock our radar in to to you know find them. It's it's scary if 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 this is Russian or Chinese technology and we truly have nothing equivalent of that we are in deep trouble that's all I'm saying on that and then the other the the final category that they're listing these UAPs as is other uh, it's the explanation that they use when there isn't enough evidence to determine to you know to basically the, you know determine it to be one of the one of the one of the previous four categories you know, which this is where alien life would fall. Uh, you know, aliens or um, like time travelers. Uh, who knows? Maybe you know Elon Musk is. Devi- I mean, I doubt it, but you know, maybe you know, Elon Musk is taking some of his fortune in developing these 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 craft. Or Bezos is out there flying around. I really, I you know, I really don't think it's that. I'm just you know using that as an example. Other is we don't know. It doesn't. You know, it, it's not. It's you know, it's. You know, basically, it's not um, you know clutter like a drone or something. It's not you know top top secret black U.S. projects. It's not China. You know, a foreign project, uh, a foreign country uh, craft, and it's not uh, atmospheric phenomenon. Then it just goes in the other. So, like I said, it could be alien. It could be time travelers. It could be a million things. Um. So that's how so that's how they 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 classified all of these. So we didn't get much from this, but it's not a definite no on the ET, and it's definitely not a, a, a. And they did, and they did not say that no, we don't have or they they didn't act. They didn't come out and say we don't have recovered spacecraft. We're not reverse engineering it. They didn't say anything like that. They didn't say no. That's the huge thing out of this is they didn't deny. Uh, the government's been denying this from day deny, deny, deny. Every time we ask, you know, you know, you know, all right, do we have any recovered UFOs? 
Have are we reverse engineering them? It's always been no, no. They've been very firm on that. Now we're getting nothing, and that says a lot. I th- think the government realizes that with the with with the age of the internet and how things are anymore, that you really can't. I think they realize that their time of keeping this a secret is coming to an end, because. The internet's making it almost impossible to keep secrets of any nature, let alone one this huge. So, this, I mean, even though it was only nine pages long, it didn't give us a lot of information. At the same time, it silently did give us a lot of information. So, I mean, I'm glad to get what we did get out of this. Hopefully, something like this happens again, we can squeeze a little more information out of them, but. Um. So you might ask, you know, why else would they? Or why have they? Why would they have given us this much? I mean, you know, like I said, they, they didn't give us much, but 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 we didn't get no's, you know. And why did we get any of this? Well, the number one thing is the ATIP program, which is the Advanced Aerospace, uh, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program which was a program that the military ran to investigate UFOs. It's kind of like Blue Book, but it was a more modern version. It looked for, you know, different, different, for different criteria, and it basically focused all around uh, military reports. And that was reported on by the New York Times in December 2017. So, you know, once you know, they blew the whistle on that, that was a big part of this. You know, the, you know, you know, the military, that was a smoking gun right there. The other big blow was... All these leaked Navy Tic Tac videos. When these videos were released, that was huge. Uh, you know, it was official U.S. Air Force uh, videos, and you know, it was, you know, that it was clear as day that you know they didn't know what they were. That you know they were well beyond our capabilities. And when they got leaked, that in combination with the ATIP uh, program. You know, the military couldn't, can no longer deny it. There's so much evidence out that, you know, they're caught with their pants down. So, so that's pretty much it. Like, like I said, they didn't give us a whole lot out of this Pentagon uh, report. Like I said, it was, you know, they gave us a little more on the alien thing than I thought they did j- just by not saying no. Because, you know, I thought they were just going to, you know, deny alien life 100% say no, it doesn't exist. So, so with that being said, let's move on to uh, the question of the week. Uh, let's first of all look at last week's question, which was, what do you think the U.S. Space Force does? Um, like I mentioned last week, we, you know, we know that, that, that they're uh, responsible for, uh, well, I've talked to a, a majority, you know, a couple people, five different people, four of which are in the Space Force. And what, from what I've pieced together from what everybody's told me is, like, um, they, the, you know, they watch for inter, intercontinental ballistic missiles coming, coming from, you know, coming from, from, from out of the, you know, from, you know, you know from space. Because, you know, the, you know, they have to, you know, basically, you know, basically, you know, enter space and then come back in, in into the atmosphere to cut down on, on, on travel time and, you know, you know, and conserve fuel. Um, I've also gathered that they, they help like um, keep 
threats away from our military satellites and uh, you know the, you know physically and from hackers and just generally they take care of uh, you know our, you know you know the airspace like the airspace over the United States where where the where the Air Force can't go you know above, you know, above and beyond. So the question was, is th- is that really all they're doing, or do you think that they're doing more? So, uh, as you saw, I had a mix up the last couple weeks here, you know, when I forgot to put one recording out, and every- everything got shuffled together, so, uh, you know, I didn't get a lot of responses back on this. I'll gladly tell you what my input in on this is. What I 100% feel is, I feel there's much more that they do. Um, when you look at the budget of the United States uh, uh, military, something doesn't add up. So I went and uh, I did the research. I looked at what each branch of the military's budget was for 2021, added it up. And then look at the looked at the at the general fund that was given to the U.S. military as a whole. So the U.S. Space Force. Well, all right. Let, let's start with with you know, the biggest ones and come down. The biggest one is the U.S. Army. Now, a lot of that, you know, you know, their equipment's very expensive. They have a lot of troops to house. They have a lot of troops in general, so that's very expensive. So 173 billion dollars a year for the U.S. Uh, Army. Um. Next, you have the U.S. Air Force. Planes are millions of dollars a piece. So, you know, and maintenance on them are extremely expensive. Once again, you need the, you know you need a lot of money to keep them going. So it's 169 million or 169 billion dollars a year. Uh, then third is the U.S. Marine Corps, which they have some equipment. It's mostly troops and housing for the most part, but they come in right around 45 billion dollars. Then the fourth is the U.S. Space Force, which is $17.4 billion a year, followed by the U.S. Coast Guard, which is $13.1 billion. So, first of all, from the way it sounds, most of what the U.S. Space Force does is computer-based. With that being said, why would you have a budget bigger than... The U.S. Coast Guard, who has to buy and maintain ships, helicopters, those types of things. I mean, granted, you know, there's you know, they're still in their infancy. You know, they're still building bases and what have you, but that's a lot of money. Now, here's the interesting part: when you add up all five branches of the military, you come to a grand total of $454.5 billion. The U.S. military's overall budget is $703 billion. That means there's $248.5 billion that are not accounted for. Now, granted, a lot of that's going to black projects. You know, areas like Area 51, Area 52. Um, you know, a lot of the... A lot of the other bases that are underground that we don't that we don't have knowledge of, um, but I'm sure a lot of that's or I'm sure a chunk of that's being piped into uh, the uh, space force as well. 
I really feel like they've got technology. I mean, if they're going to protect the, the space around satellites, you can't be going up there and like you know just you know like like if if there's like a Chinese satellite trying to move in and take out one of our satellites, you're not going to just 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 you know shoot them you know some kind of a rocket at it because you know, you're going to end up taking out your own satellites too. And so we so it's almost like they would have to have some kind of a device or a craft that can go in space, whether it be manned or, or unmanned like a drone, and, you know, manually remove those types of satellites, those types of threats. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of the UFOs that, that we're seeing could potentially be things that are being built specifically for the U.S. Space Force. Maybe that's a reason why the U, why why the U.S. government seems to start see or seeming to begin to start loosening up a little bit on keeping the secrets from us about aliens, UFOs, because maybe maybe you know what what they're preparing us for is whatever the U.S. Space Force is dealing with. I mean, is the U.S. Space Force you know are we part of some kind of galactic federation and there are ambassadors or you know they're going to be our ambassadors or they're gonna you know, be our front line to represent us. I don't know, it's just that it's hard to it almost seems like we're building a a network of uh, defense against a new enemy. You know, uh, you know, is it against, you know, I don't know. I just feel that, that we're not being told the full story on U.S. Space Force. Like I said, I'm, I'm actually doing research right now on an episode coming up very shortly. It'll probably be two, two or three weeks it'll be out. Where um, we're going to look at the U.S. Space Force. We're, we're going to break down that budget a little bit more. And see what they're saying it's being used on. And uh, we're going to look at a lot of the theories as to what's actually going on in the U.S. Space Force, what's actually being done there, you know, what's, what's going to be being done totally. Um, I don't know, it's just, it's it's just, something doesn't, something doesn't seem right there, so. That's my take, I mean, you know, I don't know anything, that's just, that's just my take. So with that being said, um, I get, uh, let's move on to the question for next week. The question for next week is: Do you feel that the uh, Hadron Super Collider um, is or can affect us in any way, shape, or form? If you don't know what this is, it's 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 this big super collider. It's a couple miles around underground in France. And basically, what it does is it shoots particles. At the speed of light, and and, and uh, it collides them, and when they and and it creates like a subatomic explosion. When it does, it creates what they call you know the God particle, or the the basically the particles that were first formed when the Big Bang happened in our, in our universe, when our universe was created. Um, you know, before they started this up, there was fear of them creating a black hole that would swallow the whole you know Earth up, and which apparently hasn't happened because they've been using this collider for a couple of years. But, you know, people people have been reporting things um, uh, like the uh, Mandela effect. If you, know, if you don't know what the Mandela effect is, that's okay. We're going to have an episode on that coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, but 
you know, do you think that that, that, that this collider can affect us in any way? Uh, some people say yes, some people say no. The reason I'm asking this question is because it's going to go, it's, it, it's going to fit hand in hand with next week's topic. So, let me know what you think on the Facebook page, yo. Uh, can uh, the experiments at the Hadron Super Collider affect us in our everyday lives? Uh, let me know what you think. Next week, I'll let you know what I think. So that's the show for this week. I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, all the you know, all the regular listeners, thanks. Uh, catch you guys again next week. Stay safe.